and we're live happy friday everybody december 30th where has the year gone 2022 it's done it's over we're going into 2023 starting on sunday if i can do my math right in the united states at least thank you very much for joining us today make sure you can hear us make sure you can see us okay today i'm joined by noah and remo Thank you guys very much for joining me. Lots to talk about. Uh, we'll spend about an hour to an hour and a half discussing uh, our um, just our thoughts and everything that's going on in the Tesla world, Elon world, Twitter world, whatever else comes up. And then uh, after we're done, we'll go over to my private Discord server uh, that you can also join if you become a patron or YouTube subscriber, right with the links in below in the description. Noah and Remo are both uh, members of my a little community that's just growing and it's so awesome because we have the best discussions ever on that discord so if you want to be part of it consider and you'll be part of these panels as well um noah and rama how are you guys doing no we'll start with you how you doing buddy life's How's great everything? man yeah i just got back from el paso i was one of the many people who were affected by flights so like southwest apparently oh, yeah. had like 2800 flights that got canceled over the break um and so we ended up driving like the 12 and a half hours back um and Dang. um yeah so that was fun but i'm back safe and sound in california and things are good so yeah awesome good to hear how you doing remo yeah really good it's really chill spent some time with the family and uh really took some time off work and uh really did did nothing the past couple of days it was fantastic sounds amazing doing nothing is sometimes the best thing ever <laughs> that's awesome um, cool. So let's let's go ahead and get started with the with the first topic. So um, Noah put together. Uh, he went to the uh, what's the museum called again? Peterson. Yeah. Peterson. Thank you. So yeah. he went to the Peterson Museum where there is a, a showcase for Tesla and Tesla's vehicles. And lo and behold, the Cybertruck's there. In case you guys didn't know, and uh, he tweeted out some pictures that I want to start with because I I think it's it gives a little bit of um, context into what the Cybertruck actually is going to be and. Let's not forget that this thing, theoretically, supposedly, uh, if you take Tesla to their word, this thing's launching in six to nine months. It's going to start hitting the streets here in Austin, Texas. So um, now nobody's talking about it. <laughs> so uh, let's go ahead and uh, and uh, come up. Let's pull up some of the pictures there, producer wife, if you don't mind. So that's what it looks like. Uh, Noah for scale. Uh, there's the Cybertruck. I've seen it in person a couple of times. It, it looks freaking killer in person. It, it really is. But more importantly... Noah did something that's very, very useful, which is if you go to the next picture, he took dimensions of the bed using uh, art, uh, uh, augmented reality technology, y'all. It's 2023 almost, okay? So this is, I'm assuming that's the ruler app on, on the iPhone, right? That you use yeah, to track exactly. it. Yeah, exactly. Mm -hmm. So so what are the things that stood out when you're, when you're standing next to this bed? Because uh, you own a pickup truck as well, right? You use it yeah. for work. Yeah. Yeah, I had a F-150, I had a Ford Ranger before that, and now I have a Ram 1500. Um, so the thing that stuck out the most to me was the wheel wells inside. Obviously, we already knew that ahead of time, but I was like super curious if, um, you know, the, the dimensions between the two sides um, were going to be compromised, you know. So it's roughly, it says 411, so I measured it twice, but, it, you know, roughly about five feet from um, wheel to wheel, so to speak, on the inside of the bed. And then from front to back, it's roughly like six six two six five somewhere in that range as far as like the size of the bed so i was pleasantly surprised and something i've been like waiting to 
to learn about um, for the Cybertruck was the size of the bed. And then also, obviously, there's like the tonneau cover type thing and the like triangular sloped back. So I was kind of curious to see. Um, there's not a measurement on this one, but I took another one where the back is about 22 to 24 inches. And then the front part where the back seats are in the truck, that's about three feet or like 33 inches or so. So you can kind of sure. get a picture or, or an idea of what those look like. I was also curious about the ramp itself. So I took some measurements around what the ramp looks like. So um, the tailgate itself is roughly 25, 26 inches. And then the uh, foldable ramp that comes out of the tailgate it's an extra like three feet, three inches or so, somewhere in that ballpark. So these measurements aren't going to be like perfect to the T. You know, it's probably good to like two or three inches um, roughly because each measurement was slightly different. But at least it gives you a ballpark of what, what those numbers look like. That's very helpful information. So I, I think having it in person. So like I, I saw I see the bed in one picture, six and a half feet or six point five or six feet, five inches. This one's six feet, seven inches. Apologies to our metric system viewers. Uh, I'm sure you want to rip your hair out of your head, but sorry, this America, baby. <laughs> but um, six feet, seven inches. So if you compare it, you own. Um, I'm sorry, what car, what pickup truck do you own right now? Right now, it's the Ram 1500. Mm -hmm. Okay, it, it's a F one fifty what a crew cab equivalent kind of exactly yeah yeah so okay um I wonder if I have I took it out but I I have yeah basically it's a crew cab meaning there's four uh, full doors and the back seats and the front seats are roughly the same size which is also true about the Cybertruck um, and the Cybertruck actually looks like there's a few extra inches in both areas um, which is awesome too so I think generally mm -hmm. speaking there's more room overall um, but yeah. Got it. And then that area. So if I, if I go, if we go all the way towards the back of the bed, it looks like it's slanted. Um, sorry, if you yes. can go back to that picture again. Uh, I noticed that too. Yeah. Like, yeah. Right. So basically if you think of the back chairs in the cyber truck, um, there's that wall right behind it. That's what Farzad's talking about right now. And yep. there is a slight angle. Um, I don't know. Like what how angle is, is it there. like six inches? That's mm -hmm. depth, I, something like that. Okay. Yeah. I would say, maybe four to six inches of a slope that goes kind of towards the front um, okay. of the truck. So it basically there's a little couple extra inches there that isn't standard in a truck. Usually that's just flat. So that's something okay. I've never heard talked about before. Um, that little angle there. Yeah. That's super interesting. Okay. okay. Yeah. Cause I'm assuming that they're probably using that to say, if you want to put in like a, um, I don't know, like two by fours or, or something mm -hmm. that are really long, you get the additional six inches of clearance on the bottom. You can also do what, uh, like, a plywood and these sure. like, sh sh you know, flat sheet of, uh, wood and whatnot. It's probably useful for that. Um, okay. Yeah. Um, Remo, I, Oh, sorry. Go ahead. Oh, I, no, no, no. I was going to say if, if you leave the tailgate down, you could fit a full sheet of plywood four foot by eight in the U S. Um, okay. And uh, without without having to, like, you know, leave the tailgate at an angle or anything funky, which is good. So, um, Remo, is this something that you're looking forward to? So you you live in uh, Basel in Switzerland. Is this something that you're um, you're looking forward to in that area? Do people even talk about the Cybertruck? Like what what's the deal? I mean, yes, absolutely. I mean, it's it's a completely new new design. I think people in Europe would be super excited about it. Of course, the dimensions I think are a little too too big for for our streets and and parking uh, spaces. So probably it would have to be a little smaller version. Uh, but what I'm really excited about, I, I saw some mock-ups of um, add-ons um, for for the Cybertruck. So that's what I wanted to um, ask you guys. So what what do you think will be Tesla's strategy? 
for all these, you know, like camper add-ons, etc. Uh, do you think that Tesla will insource these um, over time, or will it create a, a third-party markets like we have for the for the Model Three Y, etc.? Um, what, what do you think? Because I think the, the, there will be some really exciting add-ons, uh, uh, possibilities for, for the Cybertruck. And that's what I'm personally super excited about. Go for it, Noah, because you're probably, sure. this is more in your wheelhouse. Yeah, I appreciate it. No, um, so for me, I think the add-ons is its own industry. Um, and so if you look at the truck market currently, um, there are companies who basically just specialize in additions to customizing your truck. Like whether it's something to do with the bed or towing or, you know, lights or tie downs like there's all these like specialty items that go into your truck and like every truck owner uses their truck slightly differently right so um with my truck i tow a toy hauler um which basically is a camper and i can actually show a picture of that on my screen here um but basically this toy hauler is what i pull around with me with my equipment for filming and stuff and so um that's a little bit different than like somebody else who um might just use it for occasional like going around the town or what have you but um yeah there's 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 a picture of my old truck here so um yeah all that to say all that to preface is that i i don't necessarily think tesla will want to or need to um build all of those accessories because there's already companies out there doing that and because they want to stay so vertically integrated I, I, i don't know if they would i think it would be more than what would be worth it for them to do that, especially I wonder percentage wise, what percentage of truck owners own, you know, campers or these awesome accessories. But to your point, I'm super excited to hear and see like the campers and um, the showers and the things that they're coming up with, like the portable uh, cooking stations. So those are all of interest to me, but I, I don't know if Tesla will necessarily build those. Yeah, I think I, I'm, I'm on board with you. I think it's going to be something similar to what Apple's doing with like their uh, third party sort of um, folks where there's a bunch of accessories and this whole industry has sort of appeared around and we lost Ramo. I think he's, he's a there's something going on with his uh, camera. He's uh, looking into it. Um, the there's an entire third party thing that has appeared around the product. And I, and I feel like Cybertruck's going to bring a lot of that forward as well because the 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 possibilities are endless with this damn thing it, it they really are and it's hard to conceptualize yeah the, the, here are some examples of it so these are some mock-ups and they're not these aren't actual companies that have made these things yet but there are examples like you know campers um you have that sort of crazy looking thing above it that's like a, an extension yeah you got that cool little kitchen area that can come out very similar to the rivian r1t Right or the or the R1s, excuse me, the the pickup truck. Uh, th- there's going to be a third party industry that's going to appear to facilitate a lot of these things, and uh, I'm wondering like what are going to be the most useful use cases for this? Because for for folks that are more outdoorsy, this is a, a killer product for them, and I, and I feel like there's going to be a an entire industry that's going to come up around that concept. Uh, but there could there could also be things like there's that one with the boat. What the hell is that thing? Go on the bottom right, producer wife. Look at that thing. The hell is that? <laughs> so you can, I mean, you can technically do that with any car, I guess. But um, yeah, I think I think the the blank slate. It's like designed to be a blank slate. Just even with the with the exterior that it has no paint, it's already a blank slate. So I wonder how many things around it are also going to be a blank slate. Um, yeah, I love it. Yeah, it was fun yeah. when I was in the Peterson Museum. Um, like 
we walked around and saw the, the whole Tesla exhibit and I saw a lot of things. And then there was also like the history of some cars or how cars were made. And um, the first car was like in 19, I'm sorry, 1797, which was a steam powered car. Um, so like stuff like that, I didn't know about. And then obviously there was the early electric cars in the early 1900s and how um, they're kind of comparing between the gas cars and the electric cars and um, the electric cars at the time, they're heavier and more expensive. And so um, when the crank style starter for um, the uh, gas cars went away and the electric starter came into play, that's what really pushed it over apparently towards gas at the time. But so all those little little nuggets were fun to learn. But um, as far as like the Tesla exhibit, um, I sat down in front of the Cybertruck with my wife for probably um, a half hour. And then we came back around and sat down again for another half hour. And it was fun to just hear people ask questions of like, oh, is that a real thing? Oh, is that going to get painted? Oh, like all the things that like I had answers for. And I was like, hmm, maybe I should pretend I work for Tesla and like <laughs> answer all these <laughs> questions for people. But no, it was just really fun to see like the um, the common perception of the that truck and like, um, there are people from all around the world that were speaking like Hindu and uh, German and English, obviously. And there's all these different languages that I heard, all these different people from around the world that came to see like that Cybertruck, which to me was just like super exciting and um, um, super meaningful to me in that time because I was like, yes, I'm excited for this. They're excited for this. You know, like it was super cool to see that. What percentage of the people that were there did you gauge were Tesla fans and what percentage like like say like our community where like we know we you know live and breathe these things and what percentage were just like folks passing by checking out what was going on did you get a gauge That's a great question there were so many people like cuz it's a huge huge museum uh, for cars. I think they have over 200 cars there. So within the Tesla area, you know, the Tesla exhibit, which used to be the James Bond exhibit, by the way, um, I would say maybe 20% of them were Tesla fans. And what I saw over and over again were one or two like you know, Tesla fanboys or fangirls with their families and with other people of like answering their, their group's questions about it. And some of them were accurate and some of them weren't, <laughs> but I <laughs> held my tongue. Um, and then most other people, like I would say, um, m most of the people who came through, like there were a good chunk of them who were just like stunned that this was, an, oh, this is a real thing. Like they're actually going to make this, like they might've heard about it or heard of Elon, but they didn't really conceptualize that like it's, happening like it's it's happening next year and it's it's coming along um but as far as like the rest of the museum there's um i would say the tesla exhibit is maybe a tenth of the whole peterson museum and so there's obviously people all over the place looking at you know hyper cars and historical cars and all that kind of fun stuff too so okay got it so 80 percent. so so there are other cars and other things at the museum and there's mm -hmm. also just a tesla part that people go and check out um which exactly. which car was getting the most attention definitely the Cybertruck. like within um it, actually across the whole museum i think there was one time where really? the delorean uh which was the picture car for the back to the future series um they were cleaning that so there was a lot of attention around that cleaning process um but other than that um i would i would definitely say the Cybertruck. um to me like because I spent the most time there, but also I walked around the museum. That one was the the display slash car that like most people were taking photos at or like looking at or spending time at for sure. Yeah, that's that's really um, that's telling for me and for a few reasons. One, um, it, I think that how different the car is, it's starting to be digested by the 
by the population and it's starting to become like become a thing where it's like, oh, shit, this is actually real. This is a thing that that exists. But the other side of it, too, is that it's in the same price category as literally any other pickup truck that it's going up against. So this is not like a, uh, oh, my God, look at how crazy looking this thing is. And how like, oh, my God, this thing must be a, a half a million. Dollars. Like it's it's very unique. Like, right. When you feel something's very unique and special, you feel like, oh, it's probably very expensive. But it's being built so that it's not that it's the opposite, that it's extremely affordable for what it does. I people don't get this. <laughs> I feel sure. like that's super profound and wild um did you get that like you know I, i've seen it a couple of times in person that was the sense i was getting it's like holy crap like uh, the disconnect between affordability and and how unique it is it, it's i don't think it's being processed and imagine what this does for the rest of the tesla brand is that the sense you were getting and i don't want to like bias you to respond a certain way but like <laughs> that's the sense i i always get when i look at the damn thing and rem i would love to hear your thoughts too yes 100 percent. I, I think people were just shocked at um, what they saw, at least a lot of people were, um, that I noticed, um, my favorite moment was like sitting down with my wife and like in the back of my head, I had that preconceived idea too, of like, this is a game changer. Um, and I love it. And she hasn't liked it. Like she hasn't liked the look of it. And so my hope was like, she was going to tell me that it looked better in person. So I, I was like, kind of slow to play it. And it was like, so what do you think? She was like, it looks better than I thought it would. <laughs> I was like, yes. Mm. <laughs> so that yes. was a big win. Um, and then like, I was like, you know, as we were talking, I was just like, so what do you think? And like, when we're in our eighties, you know, or, or, or say 50 years from now, 70 years from now, like, do you think people will look back at this car and see it as like a historical marker, you know? And she was like, I think people will look at it and be like, wow, they were trying to be really futuristic. So I think she um, had a slightly different opinion than me, which was like, no, this was like the car that's going to pivot the whole industry, like um, to a different kind of way of thinking and a way of designing cars and to her it was like they're still trying to be futuristic um to her she was like are, are like even though she knows i'm a huge tesla fan and like we've talked about tesla for years now she's like i'm kind of doubting at this point if they're going to make it is basically what she said um and I, i'm sorry if my wife ever watches this and she knows i'm putting her on the spot for all this but uh, <laughs> you're on the spot <laughs> <laughs> um but i mean it, i was like good I, i'm actually because what you're saying is probably what a lot of people are thinking and right now that's good for us and for me because i'm going to keep buying tesla stock and i i still have faith that tesla's going to come through and this is going to happen like the gigapress is already in austin guys come on right <laughs> you know right. so i don't know what do you think ramo yeah i mean uh, ab absolutely i i think this will be like a huge catalyst uh, for the next year and i think like the the general public that's not really into tesla i just don't think they have the cybertruck on their radar just now because they think yeah, yeah it was such a thing that was announced years ago like the semi it took five years and like fsd it took forever and and stuff like that so i think it's 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 really like sandbagged and and we know that tesla will deliver it and it will be a absolute a smashing success and now we have more details like with the mega charging megawatt charging uh, capacity and and stuff like that uh, will be absolute a killer product uh, but of course there will, will be hiccups with uh, getting to volume production it's a completely new uh, production system i think we also need to be realistic but i think as as far as as the product goes it will be an absolute revolution and i'm i'm sure there will be a lot of copycats so it will set like a new standard uh, for uh, as a as a category and uh, yeah, also the price. I mean, I, I just tried to look up now uh, the, the website 
uh, the price that they announced initially was was absolutely mind-boggling if they could really achieve that i don't know whether you guys have any new insight how how the prices have developed i i didn't uh, uh kept track uh, of it uh, recently um whether they will be able or or i i think they, they took out the prices from from the websites right or or um yeah yeah but, but so there if was they a... could, but but if they could match it um, somehow or just a little bit more expensive than they thought um i think um yeah the the price to value will be absolutely extraordinary yeah i i agree 100 r2 thank you so much thanks great show i appreciate reasonable discussion keep up with the great info thank you very much the beer fund keeps growing y'all when i see you guys in person you, i'm gonna get you so drunk <laughs> we'll have a huge beer fund now uh, thank you all very much for supporting the channel really appreciate it the so the there was a comment i believe this was at the investor uh the yearly investor meeting in july of this year where the question came up about hey is Cybertruck um Go, going to be the I forget who the, what the model was. I'm 100 sure it's the it's the Cybertruck. People in the comment uh, comments correct me if I'm wrong. The question came up: Hey, are you still going to be able to do that forty thousand dollars Cybertruck? And um, Elon s said something to the effect of a lot of, has happened between now and then, <laughs> and so it's it's very likely that the price is going to be higher. But the question becomes: Is like how much higher though? Um, how much higher? But more importantly. What is the price difference between what you get with a Cybertruck and its direct competition, which is the F-150, you know, the Ram 1500 and the Toyota, whatever the hell it's called, and the all the other ones, right? That That is the equation that really matters. And if you're building a, a car, which from from my understanding and um i'm sure everyone else's understanding to follow the the the, the company it's going to be done in such an efficient manner that the cost to build is going to be minimized uh to such a point that they're going to be able to really offer it with either uh as low pricing as humanly possible or pricing that's going to get them to be capacity constrained and make a ton of money building it and that's that's really the equation that matters here i think both as a as somebody who wants to own the car and somebody who wants to invest in the company. And so um, my gut tells me, I made, I made a video about this a, a while ago, but my gut tells me the starting price <sighs> depends how how crazy deflation gets in the next couple of years because of the Fed and all this stuff. You know, all, this, all these raw materials are going to sink quite a bit. I, I'm probably going to guess the starting price is going to be somewhere between 50 and 60,000. I think it's probably going to go up by 10 to 20,000 if I were to guess. But for the first year or two, they're definitely going to be selling the higher specs. So it's going to be your, you know, tri-motor, full self-driving, you know, craziness, zero to six in 2.8 seconds or whatever. Um, and then after a couple, a year or two, they'll probably start going down the models. But but think about it. If, if you can get a Cybertruck with a dual motor with 500 miles of range for about $50,000, this opens up so much so many customers that it's completely mind-blowing and then this thing fits directly into the especially in the united states which is its primary target this thing is going to be an additional seventy five hundred dollars off because uh all i know i mean from what the research i've done it seems like the pickup trucks are going to be i think up to eighty thousand. I think it's the same as SUVs, right? If if I, if I remember correctly, up to eighty thousand MSRP are going to be able to take advantage of the IRA uh, tax credit. So you're selling into your biggest market globally for pickup trucks, and now you're going to be doing it at the lowest cost possible, and you're going to take advantage of this uh, IRA tax credit. How is this thing not going to sell a million plus units per year? So then it becomes a question of building capacity for this thing. Um, so that was a very long question uh, answer to your question, but. Uh, I, I think price is completely irrelevant 
in this case because of how they're producing it um, and the fact that there's going to be such incredible demand for the vehicle in addition to being subsidized by the government. It's It just appears like a complete smashing success. Um, what do you think, Noah? I love that. I mean, um, at scale, and, and I, I would say what you just described to me makes sense after like a year or two worth of production. I think early on, like if they do put out models in 23 and in 24, um, I think they're going to have to be uh, even more expensive than that, like 100 grand plus 120 grand. So essentially, it's like the early adopters um, are going to pay a little bit more of a premium. And the tax incentive isn't necessarily going to benefit those folks who really want the Cybertruck the most, right? But um, over time, I completely agree with what Farzad just outlined is like the tax incentive and the pricing is going to come down. And if they can do it without paint, you know, obviously, um, and they can do um, the unibody the way they want to do it, like all these things that help bring the unit price down um, that costs, you know, for each model that they produce or whatever. So, but yeah, it, it's super exciting. Um, and that's the debate or the thing I keep going back and forth in my head is like, um, if I was offered a quad motor and can get it sooner, would I like want to opt up to that? Or if I sticked with the tri motor, but it was going to be an extra year and a half, like would I want to wait, like, those are hard things uh, for me to decide on, um, except like, that's like if money was not an option uh, object, you know, <laughs> but we'll see. Yeah. I don't know. What do y'all think? Yeah. I mean, I, I have a, I have a top spec on order, you know, and, and I live in Austin area and I, and I bought the car using my employee email when I worked at Tesla. So theoretically I should have like every freaking or did I? Yeah, I, I totally did. Yeah. 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 It's cause it's on my other account. Yeah. 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 So it's like everything's lined up for me. Right. Um, mm. Fingers crossed. So we'll see how quickly I get it. Uh, but 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 I went with the top spec because I, I just feel like, I don't know, I just I feel like the bang for the buck is going to be amazing. And uh, who doesn't want to be the flashy douche that has the Cybertruck in Austin, Texas, baby? And I get to blow everybody, everybody's doors off at every traffic light. Who doesn't want to do that? I want to do that. Right. And so that's vanity and stupidity. But I'm a vain stupid person sometimes <laughs> uh yeah so so i'm going for the top spec for sure um if for whatever reason you know if, if my wife and i sit down and think like okay but it does that as it actually make sense to go with a top spec of course we'll sit down and, and and revisit but i think for me top spec because i just want that i want that really bad what what do you think what do you guys think yeah even even if you bought it or took delivery and then drove it for a month and then sold it probably for a profit like exactly. i think that would be the, the worst case scenario for me i don't know yeah what do you think Remo? Yeah, what, what I'm really asking myself is, what, what do you guys think? How, how many units uh, would they be realistically able to produce uh, next year? So do you still think they, they would be able to start in, in the summer as, oh. as they initially thought after ramping the Model Y? Or will there likely be a, a delay? What, what do you guys think? No, I'll go ahead and answer because I actually sure. I'm, I put a, a poll for this on my Twitter, uh, which has very interesting responses. So go ahead and I'll put Awesome. It. Yeah, yeah. So for me, I think they will try to produce something like so on paper slash publicity wise they'll deliver something in the summer whether it's like five cyber trucks or something i think they're going to run into just like everything else unforeseen circumstances problems what, what have you so the amount of cars delivered in 2023 um 
I would be impressed and happy, pleasantly surprised if there's more than say like 500 delivered um, in 2023, which is probably setting a low bar, which, but you know, it's, it's new everything. <laughs> um, and then hopefully by 2024, that's when they actually start to pick up. And then the 2024 ramp, I think will be um, much steeper than most people expect, Ex especially if they look back at 23 and be like, oh, they've only produced a handful of these, like they can't figure out their system and there'll be all this negative press around that again. Um, and then all of a sudden Tesla will come and blow them out of the water um, again. But yeah, I'm curious to see what the poll says too. Yeah, um, I sent it in the uh, private chat, producer wife, when you get a chance, I'll pull it up. So I think, thank you, perfect. So I, I put it out, what is it, about an hour ago now, almost, Cybertruck sold in 2023, 19% uh, think less than 1,000 in the whole year, 36% think between 1,000 to 10,000, 27% think between 10,000 and 50,000, and 16% think over 50,000. So it's the majority sort of, it's kind of like a perfect uh, normal distribution, right? So in the middle, it looks like if I were to guess, probably between 10 to 20,000, if the public is correct, is how many Cybertruck units we'll get. Um, for next year, which is actually pretty, pretty decent. My, my gut tells me somewhere between, I don't know, 20 to 30,000. Uh, because the one thing that is important to keep in mind is that every time Tesla has built a new car, uh, like a new platform or a new vehicle, the time it takes from the first car being produced to ramp status has shortened every time. So Model S took the longest. Then the X, even with complexity, and it was kind of weird there in the middle, uh, to get to full ramp, it took a little bit less time. Model 3 was way faster. And Model Y was way faster than the Model 3. And the Cybertruck is being built around the premise of as, lit, as, as few parts as humanly possible to build this thing. So even though the size is going to be larger, you're going to take more materials to build the car as a whole, the processes are going to be much more simplified. You're going to have a lot less uh, movements to build the car together. And you think about the optimized layout of the Gigafactory in, in Austin. Uh, I got to visit it. I don't know if either of you guys got to visit it, but um, it's optimized for just flow. You know, if, if, you're, uh, if you're somebody who worked in factories or in places where you have a lot of these processes in place to build and, and move things around, most factories, you try to optimize for reducing as many you know movements you can make to build a car. But this thing is just like a freaking straight line, y'all. It's like, just okay, just start here and go. Boom, you're done. There's none of this like moving around. It's very similar to like how Shanghai is probably built. But it's very obvious that this thing is going to be built so fast. And there's going to be so many of them coming out of that building that it's going to surprise people. So I, I'm, on the, I'm on the same boat as um, you are, Noah, that the the ramp of the products is going to be quite steep and there's going to be a lot of them coming out. But I think that the, the number of units when they're fully ramped, is going to be well above 250,000 per year. I just don't, I don't buy it. And, and I know that's what Elon and Tesla have said, like, you know, we're going to plan to make 250,000 units per year. I just don't see it. You have 1.5 million reservations. Yes, a, a percentage of them will go away for sure. But think about how long that backlog is going to take if if fifty percent of them stay. You know that's a, that's at least a three year backlog. There's no way. There's just no way that that, that they're only making two hundred fifty thousand. I think anywhere between five hundred thousand to a million cyber trucks per year is much more realistic. Um, and, and the speed at which they're going to get there is going to surprise a lot of people. So that's that's how I'm thinking about it. Um, yeah. 
it's just going to be it's going to be great. It's going to be so good. <laughs> and, and think about just the mass of cyber trucks that are going to be on the road now in three to five years. Talk about billboards. You know, everybody in the Tesla community always talks about this. Like the cyber truck is the best marketing that Tesla is going to have. A hundred percent. You know, all the stuff that's been going on right now for the last few weeks and months with Elon being divisive on Twitter. And oh my God, the Tesla is a new MAGA hat and all this garbage that I that I hear from from folks, you know, from that are trying to derail the story. I just don't buy it. I don't buy it at all. I think that the product speaks for itself. And Cybertruck's going to be just completely nuts, you know, and people can call me a fanboy if they want, but thems are the facts. I don't know what to tell you. <laughs> 100%. No, I love it. I mean, it, to me, it's like the F-150, the Ram 1500, and the Toyota um, Tacoma, I believe, or Tundra, Tundra, that's the full-size one. All three of those, uh, at least prior to COVID, were pushing like a million vehicles a year. So if mm -hmm. it just competes with those other three, that's a million a year. Um, but I don't think the Cybertruck is going to compete. I think it's going to outperform all of those. So just like the Model Y, like I, I think people have been comparing it to like what the most common or highest selling car, Toyota Corolla, whatever. Like to me, the Y, the Cybertruck, uh, the Roadster even, I think those can triple um, the sales of, of that market or, or that segment um, because it's just so um, mind blowing and, and so awesome. Yeah, yeah and, that's, and it's not just, uh, I, I think it will blow out the category it's it's not just a, a trucking category a lot of people that have normal regular cars are now considering uh, getting a cyber truck because it's just cool it's it's an iphone moment it's a completely different beast so i think the market will be first much bigger and then i think the market outside of the us uh, don't underestimate that that would be huge if they would be able to tackle it i think even here in Switzerland, there are so many like small businesses, gardeners, whatever, that already have uh, pickup trucks from, from the US or Toyotas or whatever. And they would gladly buy a Cybertruck. And in Germany, France, the world is so big. So I think this could be easily a, a multi-million uh, unit uh, uh, yeah, opportunity for, for Tesla. But I think, the yeah, for me personally, I think if they would be able to achieve 10,000 next year, um, or yeah, more than 10,000 would be already a success. And then of course, with a, with an exponential ramp, but what do you guys think? What will be the, the biggest bottleneck? Will it be the, the body shop with the, with the new, uh, steel exoskeleton Ooh. or, or will it be the, the 4680 ramp? What do you, what, what's, what's your gut feeling? That's an excellent question. I think the 4680, they're finally hitting strides and they'll be able to produce that earlier than the body. Um, the gigapress is its own thing, like getting that worked out and 100% is gonna be a challenge. But I think the exoskeleton, and um, I, I don't really know if they've mass produced the exoskeleton yet either. So I think those two variables are, are huge um, challenges. I don't know, Farzad, maybe you have a different opinion of the exoskeleton. I agree with you. No, they've never done anything like that before. Nobody has really. I mean, the only, the only uh, really Companies that I know of that have done an exoskeleton are in aviation. I think Sandy Monroe was talking about it a while ago. It's a brand new concept. I agree with you 100% there. I think it's going to be the manufacturing process of the body and uh, sort of the new technologies they're using to put the body together. And I think, I, I mean, <laughs> I hope 4680 ramp is figured out by then. You know, they, they've, they've had a lot of milestones in the last few weeks, which is really good to see. I think I think 4680 has been a struggle for them for sure. It's I mean, it's 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 been very, very... Um, technically difficult but it, it does seem like they've i think they're a thousand model wise per week of 4680 production right now 
And I think by the time Cybertruck is figured out, as far as like, you know, you go through the production ramp process and you're, you know, making 5,000 a week, 10,000 a week, you know, for 5,000 a week, I guess would be their total capacity for Cybertruck, which again, sounds so freaking low. I can't, I can't believe it's like 5,000 times 50 is 250,000 units a year. And that's what they think they're going to do. Like that's, there's no way, but let's, let's assume they get to 5,000 per week. Um, it's probably going to take probably middle of 2024 late 2020, 20, late 2024. So that's an, a year and a half to two years of getting 4680 figured out. So I just don't see that as a bottleneck uh, by that time. So for me, it's it's the production process, you know, but but then within that production process too, you really think about it. There's not going to be that many steps. It's just going to get, get, it's getting those steps right. Those few steps correct is going to be the biggest bottleneck. Um, what do you think, Remo? What, what do you think the bottleneck is going to be? Yeah, I, I think I, I agree. But yeah, if if we really think about the 4680, I mean, it's been now almost three years or has it already been three years since since the announcement? So it's it's certainly yes. been a, a struggle. And I think they're still struggling, like getting to real volume. I mean, it's already great, the volume that they have now. But I, I also am optimistic that they will uh, figure it out. But yeah, I'm, I'm, I'm sure there will be many more problems that are unforeseen as, as with um, any such um, endeavor. So, uh, but but yeah, Tesla is really good at figuring it out, uh, being resourceful, and I think they're not stupid, right? I mean, they they are now already preparing the production process. That they, they are not sitting idly and and uh, yeah uh, yeah staring <laughs> uh, into the air, right? So so I think they're already working on it. They're already um, uh, yeah basically figuring it out, and I think um, that's also a good thing. Um, to have now a little bit more time to give the 4680 cells time to get to volume and to also think about potential other bottlenecks. So maybe they will completely surprise us and they will be able to, to hit 50,000 next year. Who, who knows? I mean, the Model Y also ramped super, super fast, uh, faster as, as we all expected. So maybe if all goes right, it could also be a very positive surprise. 100%. Yeah, I, I think once they figure out the physical, you know, the gigapress and the exoskeleton, then we're going to come back to the issue that Tesla's going to have like in the mid decade is, which is the battery production and, and getting that off to scale. And um, that's why on the last uh, Twitter spaces, the Corpus Christi location announcement around the lithium uh, refinery um, is, is a huge deal to me and super interesting. I was also curious. Um, I know you mentioned Remo in Switzerland, in Switzerland and in Europe, obviously they want like a smaller, size Cybertruck. Um, the nickname that has stuck to me, I don't know if it would stick everywhere else, is like the Wolverine, right? So like the smaller truck size. Um, but I, I wonder like worldwide um, how much more um, that truck would sell versus the Cybertruck. Because for me, like in America, obviously we want bigger, better, you know, trucks in Texas. Like I think it's one out of every three trucks or, or one out of every three cars sold in Texas. Um, at least I heard that once. I don't know if it's true is a truck. So, um, yeah, I'm curious to see like worldwide, if there is a Wolverine type truck, like what the sales will be with that. And if it'll be similar to like when they went from the model three to the model Y or what have you, like that incremental improvement within the same kind of class of car, what that will look like. And I also don't think it, it needs to be so much smaller. So I think even the original Cybertruck, if they could get it approved, I don't know what the re regulations are here in Europe, whether they could even get it approved. I think that there were some comments in, into that direction that they it would have to be a little bit smaller, but not maybe uh, that much, maybe 5% or so. 
I think Elon said at one point. So I think that already would would sell a lot of units, I, I think. But I think that's a, a general question that I am, am starting to ask myself. Maybe I'm, I'm diverting now, but maybe we can come back to that topic later. Um, like when Tesla um, wants to achieve 20 million cars like in 10 years, um, yeah, whether they wouldn't need like more designs and more form factors per segment to like cater to to all of the different uh, desires of people and tastes of people, and and I think that certainly would would fit into into a Cybertruck as well, right? So so to to yeah fulfill all the different use cases like camping and small businesses and whatnot, I think a little more variety wouldn't hurt long term. Of course, short term they have uh, way too many uh, fish to fry, and and it will of course sell sell out all, all of the units they will produce. But I think longer term, when you think about 10 million, 15 million, 20 million units, I would love to see like a, a, a platform with many, many different designs and, and uh, yeah, basically form factors on top of it. Uh, because I think the one thing that legacy auto companies have um, yeah, working for them are their brands and their designs. And, and that will be basically the, the last value that they will be able to, to provide. Everything else will be a commodity. And and I would love to see Tesla somehow incorporate that to to um, yeah build more variety because you don't want to see five million um, yeah Cybertrucks that all look the same. It it will get really boring um, at one point, I think. So, so what, I, what I would you, challenge that think? point. I would challenge that point because I think the only reason there is that variety is because there's zero differentiation between every single legacy car maker. They all make the same shit. They really do. I mean, if you really think about it, it's all it's all the same experience. It's all the laggy accelerator, the you know, there is no real software in the car. And so there, it's all these little details, right? It's like what happens in a curve of innovation is the, the, the first the steepest part is when you're really changing the value paradigm. So the value paradigm has to change first before we get there. So the way I think about it is once once over 50 percent of the fleet of of all vehicles on the planet are this new paradigm that's when you'll start seeing that differentiation but i think that's going to take 20 years i i believe this is this is how i'm thinking about it and so and so if if the net cost per mile of a transportation vehicle in this case an electric vehicle is going to be say half of its uh, counterpart. Like if you put Cybertruck versus an F one fifty or a Ram fifteen hundred, uh, the cost per mile for that car is probably going to be with less than half, because you're not paying for ridiculous amounts of gas, and your car ain't going to break. It's just not going to break. So then you don't have any maintenance costs or anything like that. So as long as that is the prevailing factor, differentiation doesn't matter because that is what wins, period. And so people, I think, will forego, well, it doesn't have this cool little form factor. or It, it doesn't like meet my 20% my criteria when the 80% is so much, is so overwhelmingly, so much more, how can I say this? It's so much better. <laughs> I don't think differentiation in, in that respect matters. And I think, so. so then for me, Two to three million cyber trucks, three to five million model Ys, ten million robo taxis slash compact cars, two million vans. Uh, you're basically almost there, right? So you're already at twenty million. That's how I think it's going to play out. And then the 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 net number of vehicles that will be sold because your cost per mile effectively is half or less. 
should balloon from a million cars per year to four to uh, to a hundred million cars per year to two hundred million cars per year, three hundred million cars per year. Because now you're you're the effect of you're you're creating the affordability. It's much more affordable, so way more people are going to be able to to buy and own a car, which completely flips the equation of what it means to be a car buyer instead of a public transport person or somebody who uh, has to carpool or who can't afford a car or who would rather have Uber. And then we're not even layering on the full self-driving thing, right? So like that's another just complete cluster in- insaneness that's going to happen. So that's how I think about it. Um, because people, ultimately people value privacy the most, I think. I don't think people, if people had an option of owning a car that would cost the same as say riding a bus or a taxi, a hundred percent of those people, I think, will own a car. Uh, maybe, maybe ninety percent, because maybe some people don't want to deal with the car. But if if you have the ability to have privacy when you're traveling around, why wouldn't you take it? And especially if it gets you there faster and safer than anything else, right? That's how I think about it. Sorry, another long answer to your question. It's just there's just so much there, you know. Yeah. And it probably will be completely irrelevant, right? Because I'm 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 starting to think about um how will Tesla look in ten years, right? Um because in right now it's it's like more a, a premium uh, brand it it has like this flashiness to it it's it's scarce not many people own it but what happens if like three-thirds of of a uh, of, of a city are all teslas right it will get boring it will get commoditized which doesn't mean that the economics need to get um commoditized of course it will be killer economics especially when we think about robot taxis so I think in the end, in a world with robo-taxis, everything that counts is, is cost per mile, right? And I think right. then probably the whole design and, and form factor thing probably won't even be as important anymore. Um, so um, I, I totally agree with your points. I, I was just thinking ahead, how will Tesla transition from like more uh, premium brand image to like a commoditized world where we see Teslas everywhere? Yeah, I, I don't think the premium brand image is premeditated by Tesla. I think that the premium brand image is like just just how it's just a it's just a cost curve, <laughs> you know. So I think I think as as long as Tesla makes everything more affordable, the the image will immediately switch like switch over, and that's like the the what's most interesting about the whole Tesla dynamic right now because literally they're the only they're the only mass market electric vehicle maker. There's no other mass. Well, you one can make the argument for BYD, but but it, a lot of their sales. Well, BYD. I'll make BYD a, a mass market EV vehicle maker for sure. I would. Um, but Tesla makes thirty percent margins. BYD makes five percent margins, right? So that's like a completely different equation. So Tesla inherently is, to me, a mass market everyday every man's people car who hasn't gotten to the bottom yet. Uh, or like that that price that price bucket yet, and but but they're coming, <laughs> it's coming down, and so the, the function of that curve is going to define the the uh, you know wh- however people look at it, and uh, it will just transform over time. It's just just get the cost down. That's all they got to do. Just get the cost down. Yeah, that's how I think about I it anyway. It. I was trying to, while you guys were talking, I was getting distracted and I was trying to chat GPT. <gasps> How dare and, you? <laughs> I was trying to figure out volume wise, like if you look at the width, length, and height of a F-150 versus like a Ford Ranger. So those are the like mid-size versus full-size class. Um, I couldn't find the exact answer here, even with chat GPT, but 
uh, an F-150 is 230 inches by 98 inches by 75-ish. And then a Ford Ranger is a little smaller at 210 inches by 73 by 70 inches tall. So I was trying to like volumetrically okay. calculate what what the difference is between the two, but I'm I can't. I'm I'm not smart enough at this point without a just times calculator. those three numbers times mm-hmm. times those three numbers together for each one and then divide one into the other and it tells you. Okay, so I did yeah. do that and it was, uh, so it was a million for the uh, Ranger ish and then one point seven million for the F one fifty. So I guess okay. volumetrically, whatever one point seven is to one is the ratio. Right. Exactly. You got okay, it. Cool. So you would do you would do uh, one one divided by one point seven, and it tells you what the what the okay. percent reduction. And it's like what thirty five percent, something 1. like that. 7. More. Oops. Forty percent. One divided something like by one point seven. So promoted value perspective is forty like percent of fifty. Yeah. Yeah. So forty percent less total volume. Yeah. Okay. Yeah. Interesting. Somebody smarter than me. Math lesson. <laughs> yeah. There you go. <laughs> my my degree came in handy. Wow. Yeah. Look at this. <laughs> yeah. Um, yeah, let me hit a topic before we go. Maybe maybe we'll do some questions back from y'all. Um, there is a the IRA tax credit that came out for uh, that's going live in, in January of 2023 in the United States. Something I don't know if you guys saw, but they released the actual trim levels that that are going to fall in the and that it's government at work. It's so stupid. <laughs> Producer wife, go ahead and uh, pull up the uh, the link for the IRS tax credit. Uh, yes, thank you. So this one's perfect. And then there's another link as well, if you can stage it, where it also has the Ford. It's the IRS link. So this is from the IRS, the uh, Internal Revenue Service of the United States, where they are defining which Tesla vehicles for 2023 are going to be eligible for the $7,500 tax credit. And here's the list. And and, and the, the broader definitions that and this is for Tesla specifically. There's other brands, and I'm going to have producer wife bring it up in a second here. Um, the the so there's a price cap for the cars for you to be able, for for someone to be able to get the $7,500 credit, and for the Tesla cars, here's how they have it defined. There's a separation between sedan and SUV. Sedans is up to a $55,000 MSRP, and SUVs and I believe pickup trucks is up to $80,000 MSRP. So the thing that sticks out here, which is odd. Uh, the Tesla Model 3, fine, 55000 The Tesla Model 3 Long Range, 55000 And then you also see Tesla Model Y, seven seat variants. You have three rows, 80000 Nice. 80000 for the Long Range. Nice. 80000 for the Performance, seven seat. Nice. But then you get to the Tesla Model Y all-wheel drive, five seat variant. It falls under the sedan category of 55000 So that car is not categorized as an SUV. Neither is the Tesla Model Y Long Range or the Model Y performance, the five-seat variants. So the IRS, um, and I've, I've been trying to research this. I'm like, why Why wouldn't a five-seat SUV be categorized as an SUV? So it, apparently it's something to do with weight. So I think the way the IRS is, is they're saying is like it has to be over 6,000 pounds of curb weight gross to ca- be categorized as an SUV. And I'm like, okay, so you are decentivizing automakers to build an efficient ev got it that makes sense so go ahead and pull up the uh <laughs> sarcasm by the way for those that maybe didn't catch that go ahead and pull up the uh link producer wife for the irs so this is for all all the automakers that have 
um, submitted a form so far to the United States. Go go to uh, go to uh, General Motors real quick because I want to I want to read this uh, message for y'all. Uh, this manufacturer has entered into a written agreement with us to become a qualified manufacturer, but hasn't yet submitted a list of specific makes and models that are eligible. Please check back here for updated information. So Mary, good job, Mary. Well done. So go ahead and uh, click on Ford Motor Company. Uh, once again, producer wife, if you don't mind. This is like, I, I want to highlight this because it's so weird. So the Escape plug-in hybrid, hybrid, 80,000. Uh, the Ford E-Transit, 80,000. The Ford F-150 Lightning, 80,000. The Ford Mustang Mach-E, which is an SUV, 55,000, right? So this is not just a uh, Tesla thing. It's an everybody thing, um, which opens up a lot of different questions, right? Because the Ford Mustang Mach-E that is now getting a uh, $7,500 credit starting in January 1st is no longer going to get the $7,500 credit. But if you buy a Model Y seven-seat variant, it's going to get a $7,500 credit, which puts the Mustang Mach-E at a gigantic disadvantage, right? But then the five-seat Model Y doesn't get it, which like makes no sense. I'm just like... I'm just so confused by this whole thing. But anyway, um, what do you guys think about this? Are you guys, uh, how, do you, how do you think this is going to impact demand? In the comments section, I would love to hear your opinions as well. This is obviously a net positive for Tesla. And I feel really bad for the third row supplier for Tesla because they're going to get absolutely hammered. <laughs> so RIP, third row supplier. But how do you, what do you guys think? Uh, how, how are you guys taking these news? Well, the, the first question I have for you, and I don't know if you know this answer, but um, so what's the the total weight difference between a seven seater and a five seater model Y then is it really uh it would have to be more than 300 pounds or 250 pounds because i believe the model y gross weight uh, if i remember correctly is 57 something that's shocking um, to me by the way that seems like a lot for a couple seats though i don't know that it really pushes it over the limit there i agree it's weird it's it's really weird. Somebody in the comments, let us know if we're thinking about this correctly, because I've been trying to figure out why the hell, you know, like, yeah. So, so for the five seater, what Tesla should do is sell it with a weight set. So not only do you get the five seater, but you get a workout set that you can like take home and that be <laughs> part of the package, which then puts it above the weight. No, no, they shouldn't do that. Um, I don't, I don't know why this is this is bizarre to me. I don't I don't know. I don't have much else on that. Yeah. I, go ahead, Remo. Yeah, I think generally this is really, really good news. I haven't looked uh, too much into it because it's U.S. specific. I is there some kind of um, unit limit or how, how, how does it work? Or is there a time limit for, for this incentive? Uh, could you maybe explain it for the international audience? For sure. Yeah. So there, as far as I know, um, this bill has zero unit limits. And I think it's uh, it's going to go for at least 10 years. I, I don't know if there's actually a time cap, but it's it's basically in perpetuity for a long time. And uh, what's going to happen as the time progresses, and in the comment section, correct me if I'm wrong, because I'm going off memory here. Um, uh, as you go, like say closer to 2024 and 2025 and 2026, there's more and more restrictions and a lot more uh, bias towards ensuring as much of the supply chain is built in America versus internationally and so if for example if you have all your battery uh manufacturing in the states i believe uh, most if not all of your supply comes from the united states um and uh you use labor in the united states to put it together then you take advantage of the full 7500 dollars credit whereas over time if more and more of your supply chain is overseas, then you get less of that $7,500 credit over time. So the, the thought process here is we need to incentivize 
uh, electric vehicle manufacturing in the United States as much as possible, which I actually really like. I think that's a, that's a brilliant move from a standpoint of making the United States given an incentive to ensure that you secure as much of the supply chain as possible in the United States. Uh, but what's but the weird thing is again like these sort of definitions, these arbitrary, seemingly arbitrary definitions around what is an SUV and what is a sedan that is um, you know causing some some issues. But but here's the here's the thing that I don't think anybody um, I saw somebody on on Twitter say this. What what Tesla could do in this situation to take advantage of the credit next year is that they could just offer a fifty five thousand dollar Model Y long range like actual body, but then cap it to like a hundred miles and then do an upgrade to get you back to that 300 mile range and then just make up the difference after the, after the purchaser buys it. And Tesla is the only one that can do that. You know, Tesla is the only one that can do that out of all the manufacturers. So they have ways to take advantage of the credit. And I believe they did this before in another market as well. I think it was China where they, where they offered a car that was like gimped to try and take advantage of the of the credit and then once they purchased their buyer and they got the $7500 credit then they were just able to use that money to get additional range it's like brilliant <laughs> so um there's a lot of things Tesla could do to to take advantage of the credit but it's just the definitions are are odd but it's per, for perpetuity it goes forever and i wonder if ford will follow suit with the Mach-E cuz that sounds like a good workaround until they figure out a way to squash that too but <laughs> yeah but can they can the can ford do over the air updates for for range updates? I know they can do over-the-air updates. Probably not. <laughs> yeah. Probably not, but hear. it would be interesting if they could. Yeah. Oh, they did in Canada is what the comments are saying. Uh, they did that uh, trick in Canada for the range. Um, yes, I think the bill is great. I think, Remo, you're right. I think the bill overall is a great idea. I think it's um, it's going to be great over time for the United States to secure as much supply chain as humanly possible. Um, and, and my gut tells me some of those definitions are going to get amended. I don't I, I just something tells me that by by the time this thing goes live and like on Monday or Tuesday, <laughs> uh, they're going to come out and say, oh, wait, sorry. No, the these are SUVs because it's just like you're kind of screwing over Ford a little bit here, y'all. Like, it's not fair. Like, they, they, it is an SUV, you know? Uh, yeah, it's a small SUV, but it's an SUV. I don't know. Maybe I'm, maybe I'm stupid. Um, what do you guys want to talk about? Also, right. maybe the, the hybrid thing needs to be maybe thought through again. I mean, I, I don't I really see, see, see the point in, in uh, allowing those incentives for hybrids, especially for really small uh, battery packs and hybrids. And I, I really think if, if we, yeah, just looking out for 2023, you know, with now a looming recession and all these things, I just think the Cybertruck, all those things that we talked about now, this $7,500 incentive. I mean, Tesla will be absolutely sold out. And uh, I just don't see any reason why this story won't continue and, and even get better. So I'm as bullish as ever. And I really think it's it's the perfect timing now for, for this incentive to go to go live because it will dampen the blow from a potential recession. And of course, people will put um, uh, yeah put away big investments and, and this will be an incentive to rethink uh rethink that and maybe maybe pull that a little closer and and then spend spend the money so i think overall it's it's really bullish for tesla and i hope that all these things hybrids and stuff will be sorted out uh, over time couldn't agree more if you look at the incentive that tesla just pulled with like you know go offering a 3750 discount and now a 7500 discount right just to give people that early incentive 
vacation right right before the new year like that basically tells us that there's demand there that's just waiting for the price to change a little bit right so as this $7500 credit in America happens that same thing's going to happen and then demand is going to take off again i think um and then it's a question of um if the supply system can kind of re leverage or uh, re level itself and um if if Austin can produce more cars, which it has been, right? It's been slowly ramping up. Like basically the volume is going to go up um, and the EV incentive is going to help with that profit margin. And um, it's all looking positive for sure. Yeah, I, I agree. So somebody in the comments said that Volkswagen ID4 is like, gets the, gets the credit, but it's smaller than a Model Y and it's a five-seater. So the 2023 Volkswagen ID4 all-wheel drive pro gets the 80,000, but it's cubically smaller than the Model Y. And it's a five-seater. It's not a seven-seater. So maybe, that's the kind of shit I'm like, what the hell's going on? Like, it makes no sense. So maybe the all-wheel drive pro is 6,000. And so weight is the only way they're determining this. It's got to be. Yeah. It's got to be. Hmm. Stupid. <laughs> so stupid but like this is this is the kind of like this is the this is the wrong incentive yeah make your car metric. heavier yeah make your car heavier and then you get a oh sorry oh you're not as good at building an ev oh sorry here's seventy five hundred dollars what the f sorry what do you guys want to ask go ahead pick a topic <laughs> before i start going on a freaking rant <laughs> i was gonna go on the rant with you <laughs> okay seriously like it man anyway i'm they'll get it fixed i'm sure um We'll do, we'll do about, uh, let's do 30 more minutes. If you guys have any questions you want to propose, go for it. And then we'll save the last 15, uh, 10 minutes for some Q&A with a comment section. And then after that, we'll go and uh, go to our private Discord uh, to uh, continue the discussion with our community members. Uh, if you do want to be part of these panels uh, and also be part of the uh, private Discord where we have a, a ton of awesome conversations, consider becoming a patron uh, or signing up through YouTube right below this link. If you like this hoodie merch uh store in the description as well and thank you all for the 946 viewers we have right now we're an hour in thank you all very much like and subscribe boom woo -woo. <laughs> <laughs> woo -woo. um yeah what's on your guys's mind what are you thinking about what would you guys like to talk about well i'm kind of curious um Rimmel, am i pronouncing your name right i just want to start there and then can you tell tell us a little more about like what your channel covers and what you guys do yeah absolutely so i basically i started um a, a, as a reaction channel, because I really had to react to a really badly informed uh, Tesla Tesla video. That's how my channel started. Then I did a lot of uh, supercuts. Um, I tried to get the information out of uh, uh, earnings calls and clubhouses and things like that. And right now, I'm really passionate about like things that um, yeah transform the world and disrupt the world. So I'm right now uh, covering uh, Tesla, Bitcoin. And also minimalism, because I really love uh, lifestyle and uh, how to live a simpler life, um, how to get to, to peace of mind. Uh, that's uh, what I'm really passionate about. Uh, so these are the, the three main topics. And I, I do everything. I do long-form interviews. I did one with Farsat. I did one with uh, Alex Vogt. Um, four hours on the German car industry. So if you're interested about how Volkswagen works and, and all of that good stuff, Alex is the absolute expert and, and four hours uh, great content uh, on my channel. And uh, yeah, that's, that's basically, I'm, I'm just following my, my interests and documenting what I'm, what I'm doing. That's awesome. I'm actually going to have Alex on the channel on Monday too. So I'm excited to talk to him for the first time. Fantastic. Uh, fantastic. I love guy. his, I love his, uh, 
yeah, especially with the stuff. I think Volkswagen recently came out with a with their their uh, cutting guidance of earnings for 2023 and half. Uh, they're giving like a warning. So um, I don't know. That could be a red flag. <laughs> that that might be a good next subject to talk about because you just Farzad put out a video about GM um and ford and their financial projections and their um cash flow yeah. you know like not to take away from that video but i, I was kind of curious like did were you able to ca calculate any sort of runway or like is there any way of knowing when a company has that negative cash flow like you know as far as like their bankruptcy time frame that's my question yeah. i guess no for sure so the cash flow the cash flow statement is is the best way to get that you know and i love to hear uh, the comment section also give their two cents here because there are many different ways to do it so the one thing I've I've come to grips with, and I was very when I first started really studying companies and looking at uh, you know cash flow statements and profit and loss statements and balance sheets, I was like, oh, there's one way to look at this, and I have to trust the experts on Wall Street to tell me. No, you don't. No, you don't. You just need to sit down and 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 just use some um, some common sense and logic, <laughs> and and look at the cash flow statement and see how the business is utilizing the cash that's coming into the business. Uh, it's that simple. And there's like four primary ways, if you look at uh, Legacy Auto, that um, these companies use and receive cash. There's from operations, which is basically selling the vehicles. You have the investing line, which is the money that they spend or get from the investments they've been in, made in the business. Then you have the financing line, which is the money they spend or get from providing loans and leases to customers. And then you got the exchange rate, which is basically the impact you get from converting the US dollar to a different currency. And if you have unfavorable rates, you lose money. If you get favorable rates, you earn money, essentially, right? Um, so what's becoming very obvious to me is that as you as you go into a recession, uh, what's going to end up happening is as people uh, in a recession, more, less people will be able to afford their bills, which means you're going to have more defaults on your loans. And so what that happens to, to a company like GM or Ford or any other legacy automaker that makes that offers loans and leases to customers is that the cash they would have gotten from these loans and leases, it starts going down. And a, a huge percentage of these companies' business is tied to that financing arm, okay? So that's one thing. The other thing is if you look at the cash flow from operations for, say, a Ford and GM as an example, uh, GM and – so GM, I think, if, if I remember my numbers correctly, made about $5 billion in cash from operations that it went to the bank account from January through September of 2022, Um and I think Ford was a little bit closer to 10. I may, I may have gotten them confused, right? So in an environment where, and this is on a fixed cost basis. So what this means is that when you have a factory, you have a fixed a factory that you're paying for if you're leasing it or, or renting it from somebody. Then you have all the equipment that you're paying loans and you know sort of paying for over time or unless you pay them in full, great, but that's not usually the case. You have a ton of labor and you have a bunch of other things that are fixed, Right. And so if you if you if the number of units you're pushing through that factory goes down because of recession or say the EV tax credit kicks in and it pulls the gas cars away from that fixed cost, you're not going to make uh, as much cash coming into that factory because uh, it's all dependent on how many units you can push out because you're still going to need the same number of people to run that factory. Right. It's not like it's not like. Um, 
you know, you could reduce shifts, but the, the complexity becomes is that you still have the same equipment and you still have the same building. So it's all based on how many units you push through. So as those units come down, the cash you're going to get from operations for, for that part of the business will go down with it as well. And when you have a huge financing arm that's going to start defaulting because of a recession, and when you have incentives that are pulling away uh, demand from the thing that's actually making you money, which is the gas car, you have an utter disaster in your hands. Because you, the things that you're depending to bring cash into your business, are both of them are going down, right? And then you look at the income from operations that these guys make. It's about 4%. Uh, Ford and GM, four to five percent of the money they make from their businesses goes to their bottom line as profit. That's so the slightest bit can change and make that zero. And as soon as they hit zero on that, for every car they sell, they're losing money. They lose money, right? And so, depending how much money they lose from each car they sell, will tell you what the runway is. And that's you look at the cash flow from operations to figure that out. Okay, so it will tell you like look at the cash flow from operations for the last nine months divided into the uh, number of cars they've sold. And then it tells you like for every car they sell, they lose this much in cash. Right. Um, and there was one other point I wanted to make that was really big and I completely blanked on, but that's basically, that's, that's one way of trying to track what, what cash, how cash flow impacts. It's, it's impossible to tell what the runway is going to be until you actually start tracking into the next quarters, how those companies are going to perform. But when qu quarter one, like quarter one, that's coming up here in 2023 is already seasonally the worst quarter for auto. And then you're layering on top of that a recession. And then you're layering on top of that an EV tax credit that's going to be pulling away uh, the profitable part of the business. It's a disaster. It's a disaster. And VW coming out and providing 50% less guidance for 2023 is a giant red flag for that industry. I really think so. And it's just, just all culminating to what's probably going to be an epic, an epic fall of epic proportions in the coming say 12 to 18 months it's gonna suck it's gonna suck really bad sorry i don't know if if you came across this but um one of the first videos i was a part of within the tesla community was for the zach and jesse now you know channel um and i basically wanted to chart and figure out what everybody's uh predictions were so like how many yeah. Um, what the commitment was for for GM and Ford and the other manufacturers around electric vehicles, like how many they were hoping to produce by what year. Um, and so I was trying to track and figure out the data for all that. Um, and I noticed that when I went back through all the earnings statements and the um, you know statements that they put out, that they basically changed the format of how they presented their data. Um, and mm -hmm. to me, it seemed like they were manipulating their numbers to make it look like they're doing better than they were. Did you notice that too when you were doing your research? Yeah, companies do that all the time. That's not just legacy. Us, like every company ever. You know, yeah. like the last thing you want to do as a company is to make your numbers look as bad as they are. <laughs> you know, that's not in the best interest of you as a company because like you, if this is where guidance is very like, like when, when a company guides for the negative, it's actually way worse than it seems. Because it takes so much for a company to guide to the negative. Because companies spend so much time, like you said, making their numbers look better than they actually are. You know, like nobody wants to be the guy that comes out as like, hey, we actually kind of suck. Because what does that mean? You lose your job and you lose your source of income and you lose the status, right? So for a company to guide to the downside is a really big deal. I don't want to, like, I can't understate this enough. Um, yeah, so, but it happens all the time. It, it's, and it's not unique to those guys. And that's so the one thing that I've noticed in GM statement as, as an example is that they track how many cars in inventory there are 
for uh, cars they sell to dealerships, right? And if those numbers go up over time, and then the relative amount of cars they sell equals that increase, that means that people are not buying as they're not they're not uh, selling more cars. They're just stuffing the channel. They're just putting more cars into dealerships. So that's one thing to really look out for if you really want to pay attention to these like. Uh, and I encourage every single person that's watching this video to do the same if you're really interested to see how Legacy Auto is going to perform. I know GM shows those those dealership numbers. L take the difference of how much their inventory grew in dealerships and how many cars they sold this quarter versus last quarter. And if that difference is the same number that the inventory went up, more people are not buying cars. They're just stuffing the channels. That's what they're just stuffing the channel. They're just moving cars from one place to another. And they're saying, yep, we sold more, but not really. They're just moving it from one place to another. Yeah, I think that's why people have been so sen uh, sensitive around Tesla's uh, production rate versus the sales rate or what have you, like how many cars they delivered versus the cars mm -hmm. they produced, because they're looking at the tr that traditional system and seeing, you know, uh, Ford or GM producing and then basically oversupplying their dealers. And then their dealers are forced to basically discount because um, when they have that car on the lot, it costs them money, right, to have it there and to take up inventory space or what have you. So yeah. um, I think that's the misconception that often happens with Tesla too around inventory. That's right. Yeah. And, and you think about like what these automakers are doing too. They're, they're, they're building inventory with a more expensive car that's going to go depreciate in price. As deflation kicks in, or recession, the recession kicks in, and as more people buy stores an EV versus a gas car, that $7,500 tax credit for the EV is also a $7,500 depreciation on the gas car because you can buy the next, the better technology at cheaper relative to the one that's going out. And so what does that do to the inventory that's sitting in dealers? It automatically drops by $7,500 for every car that would have been purchased with an EV versus that car. It's a frick. This is a disaster. It's a disaster. And, and, and it's... But it's going to take time. It's going to take time to play out. These are the things that like take 12 months, 18 months to work into, into, the, into the supply chain, into the system, right? Um, and, as the, and as the Fed, <laughs> here's another, and as the Fed keeps raising rates, it, it becomes more expensive to buy a car. It, it gets more expensive to lease a car. I don't know, bro. And of course, it's going to impact EVs as well. Uh, you know, not, it, nobody's spared. But if the EV tax credit is going to soften the blow or negate the blow of a reset, people not being able to afford a car and the interest rate is going up, but the, the IRA cancels that out, then really who's going to buy, what are the cars that are going to be bought? It's going to be EVs. It's not going to be gas cars. It's going to be EVs. Sorry. I just, I, I, I've, I've been talking a lot this podcast. I'm sorry, y'all. I just, I'm worked up. There's only three of us. Remo, you got to talk for the last <laughs> 15 minutes, okay? You got this. Yeah, I, I, just, I just have a question. The IRA, does this override all the old um, incentive systems yes. with, the, with, the, with the limit? So, so actually, it's, 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 uh, it's a benefit for, it's an advantage for Tesla, right? Because Tesla um, 100%. run out of, of the old system. A lot of other car companies um, still had um, yeah, some, some quota there. And, and that's basically now cancelled, right? So, so it's, it's evens the, the playing field. And I think it's a huge advantage for Tesla because as, as you guys said, uh, the, the EVs for the legacy car companies are not as profitable if, if profitable at all, right? So it's, it's a huge advantage. So, so now the old uh, car companies will have to shift revenue to the less profitable uh, cars and, and Tesla 
can just supercharge their demand and and uh, keep going. So I just yeah. don't see any. I, I just don't don't see any point why uh, this should be good news for for any other than than Tesla, to be honest. And the one that gets the most screwed over is the Ford Mach-E. To be completely honest, because the Ford Mach-E right now, if you buy it before the end of the year, it can take advantage of a seventy-five hundred dollar tax credit because it's a legacy tax credit. If it's if it's being dealt as a sedan, if it's being uh, viewed as a sedan, it loses seventy five hundred dollar tax credit, and its direct competitor in the Model Y gains a seventy five hundred dollar tax credit. So there is a fifteen thousand dollar difference now between a Model Y and a Mach E come January first. This is catastrophic, and they're already not making money on the Mach E, you know. And then and then they have the the F one fifty Lightning. So that that could hopefully bring him a lot of money, but the F one fifty Lightning is going to eat into the F one fifty gas car that makes them all the money. It's a catastrophe. Ford, like I, I feel for Jim Farley because Jim Farley is a great guy. I really, I really feel like, and they have a really, I like when they interview with Sandy Monroe. They um they came across as very well meaning, like people that wanted to make a great product, and and they're taking the plunge on EVs and I commend Ford. But this setup couldn't be any worse for them. It kind of really sucks for them, and I feel for them. Unless they can get that tax credit again for the Maki. If they can't, I don't know, man. Ford is Oh boy. Yeah, Ford is in a lot of trouble. Yeah, it basically forces their hand into the EV play and um to them they're already kicking and screaming and not wanting to to move into that. And Ford obviously is is different than say like a GM or a Toyota, because if you look at the relationship uh, from EV cars for GM specifically, they had the EV1, right? And then Toyota, they actually had partnerships with Tesla who were producing motors and other parts components for the RAV4 EV. So like both of those legacy automakers basically had chances to go electric before um, this incentive. And they missed their opportunity, whether they just didn't see it as a viable option or somehow they got strong armed by the oil, you know, companies or what have you they just didn't do what they could have done and now i i think we'll see how it plays out this this might hurt them yeah man let's do some q a what do you guys think should we do some questions let's All do right. it let's do it producer wife hit us with the song and hit us with some q a she will only pick the best ones, as we say, only the best comments, but all the comments are the best ones. So, yeah, when you get a chance, producer wife, start bringing up some questions. Thank you all so much for sticking with us. We'll do another uh, 10 minutes or so of Q&A. And then after we wrap up here, we'll go to our private discord and continue our conversation there. Uh, Dinesh, thank you very much for the question. Would the EV incentive contribute, uh, contribute to inflation more? Is it really necessary? Very good question. Um, Let's see. So it's lowering the net price of the product, right? But it's also adding additional demand, but then it's theoretically replacing the uh, gas car with that car at a lower price. So it really becomes a question of how much additional demand is that going to cause versus what it's offsetting. And if it's if the net number of dollars that are spent on the EV is higher then the net number of dollars lost from the gas car, theoretically, it will add to uh, inflation. But in a recession, that could not be the case, right? So there's a lot of, it, it's it's hard to tell. That's one of the ones we're going to have to wait and see what the lagging indicators say. Uh, what do you guys think? 
Yeah, I, I think generally speaking, when the government incentivizes something, they're basically taking on some of the uh, financial burden of that, meaning the government is spending money on something. I don't know if government spending necessarily equals inflation unless that money is printed by the government or made up uh, like in, in place of money. Um, so indirect, uh, sorry, directly, no, but indirectly it could be. Herman, what do you think? Yeah, that's also a question that I that I ask myself is um, how is this incentive financed? I I, I haven't uh, looked it up in in detail, and uh, yeah, the question is will this will this investment like really be productive and and fruitful? And uh, yeah, the question is will it be unlimited? And then in effect, it it will just be like the the government will be like a co um, a co buyer right of of the of the of the car. Um, and if it's indefinitely, then it, uh, yeah, basically will be an indefinite uh, co-buyer. So um, I definitely, of course, the spending will will increase or or taxes um, revenue will re re reduce. But um, yeah, generally, I I see more uh, a driver towards deflation just with with uh, di digitization, automation, uh, robotization, etc. So I think um, um, inflation shouldn't be a problem long term, in in my opinion. I also think that as soon as the Republican Party takes office again at some point in the future, that's probably their first one of the first uh, things they're going to do is cut this bill. I don't think so. Oh, really? Okay. Yeah. Maybe. Why do you think Elon's playing nice with them? That's true. That's true. I just think that generally speaking, the Republican Party doesn't want government spending, and they can see this as government spending. Yeah. I could be wrong. As long. As long as it's like not tied, as long as it's not tied to say national security, because one of the arguments I would make, and this is like not becoming a politics discussion, is that this is good for national security because you are insourcing all supply for the next generation of transportation. That's so, a great point. Absolutely. Yeah. Next question. But I love I love that sort of viewpoint too. Um, now we know why Elon's a Republican now. <laughs> Cash King, question. We all know Tesla is the number one EV company. Who will be the number two EV in America? Great question. What do you guys think? Does that mean American companies? Like in America is probably I think a number Chinese... two EV, yeah, like brand in America. Like not the number of units sold. Um, I think it's going to be a Chinese brand. Neo, BYD. I agree. What do you think? Yeah, or Hyundai maybe from from all the legacy ones maybe hyundai has has the best chance to to survive and, and thrive somewhat but other than that i i would say byd or or chinese uh, startup yeah hopefully yeah. i have terra because i pre-ordered one of those too <laughs> <laughs> the the complexity with hyundai is that they their manufacturers in south korea so they can't even take advantage of the ev tax credit so that's going to put them at a huge disadvantage uh I, near term, I would say for the next three to five years, it's going to be anybody who's able to localize the supply chain and manufacture in the United States uh, will be the automatic number two, uh, as long as they can take advantage of the EV tax credit um, and they can ramp. Uh, but until, but I think long term, it's probably going to be a Chinese company, if I were to guess. So here's a quick question based off of this one. So if um, the cash flow, like if they're not profitable making EVs, like any car maker, then either they need to have government backing or um institutional funding of some sort right to back up them. that's right yeah okay so that's something to look for to think about as well 100 percent. next question great points 
Earthmark question: Why does nobody talk about semi? They are aiming for five hundred thousand semis at two hundred thousand dollars, equal hundred billion dollars a year. I don't know if the five hundred thousand semi is correct. I know they're aiming for fifty thousand semis, uh, at least publicly. Um, I can see them making five hundred thousand semis in the long term, but uh, I think their public uh, number is fifty thousand. Um, I agree. Semi is not getting any attention, and I kind of like it that way. And that, like, this is the this is the picture that I that I love about the semi. The Tesla semi is going to be used to deliver mega packs that are going to charge a Tesla semi. That's how game changing this thing is, right? Um, yeah. What do you guys think about the semi? Yeah, it's definitely under. Um, valued for sure, and that five hundred thousand number, I could also agree. I also could see that production swinging up to that number, but um, I, I don't think their projections are that yet. Um, I think it's also the profit per kilowatt hour or what have you, because I think at volume pricing, the price per battery is less in a semi versus the other cars, and the, so they probably won't mask like really ramp those up until later in the product chain. Yeah, that's that's I think exactly the the point. I, I think Tesla has no incentive right now to really push the semi because it's still somewhat uh, cell constrained, right? And they can uh, use the the cells in in higher uh, higher cost uh, products or or make more revenue per kilowatt hour. So so I think that's that's the main reason. And probably also the product also needs to evolve a little bit more, a little more iterations. But long term, I see a great future. I mean. We now had the same trucking technology for, I don't know, 50, 100 years. And, and now we had the iPhone moment in, in trucking, in semis. So um, this will be an absolute game changer and uh, will revolutionize the, the, yeah, the distribution business. Couldn't agree more. I think, I think the other piece, too, is that, that we had Brian from uh, Next Big Future, Noah. That's his publication, I think, Next Big future he's been on the last couple panels and uh the the light bulb moment for me was the mega pack is directly tied to the semi because the mega pack is needed to ensure that there's enough energy uh to be able to charge these semis and so you're not really just buying a semi you're buying semis with mega pack and mega pack probably has 60 70 80 percent margins so look out next question Rich B, question, is 2023 the year that Tesla Mega Pack going to be added? Look at this, uh, in its val- into its valuation. Um, I think there's a chance because energy has been under the radar. And now that they're not supply constrained based on their guidance, we should see a lot more energy. But I don't know if 2023 is the year. What do you guys think? Yeah, personally, I, I'd love to do a, a deep dive on, on energy. I, I uh, really was somewhat disappointed in the past few years. Of course, the focus was on, on the auto business, ramping um, uh, the 3 and the Y and, and the other programs. And uh, I really would love to see what would happen if a Tesla could give it like everything it, it needs, all the cells and all the talent and, and everything, all the production capacity. Where could energy really go? And I'm super excited about Megapack, not only Megapack, but also the software side of it, right? The auto bidder, if we see what... What it has done in, in Australia, it's it's fantastic, it's mind-blowing. And I would really love to see the mega pack replacing old peaker plants like coal and, and gas peaker plants. Um, but the question really is again, um, the the revenue per kilowatt hour, how, how does it look like in a mega pack compared with a with a car, for example? And then also 
is it still cell constrained and when will that be lifted and once we are not cell constrained anymore how fast they will be able to ramp the the production so a lot of questions and i would love to do a, a deep dive on tesla, tesla energy with with somebody who who's really in into it but uh i'm generally i'm super excited about it uh, long term I think there's been less conversation around Megapack than most other Tesla products uh, as a whole, I, I, I think. And I, I, it's almost like the redheaded stepchild where it's like, we know it's it's there, but it's not talked about as much as we hoped it would be. <laughs> but yeah. um, if if it does what we, we know it can do, it, it's going to revolutionize a lot of things. But it also comes back to battery production and being self-constrained and um, seeing everything else lined up for that to take off the way we're hoping it will. Yeah, I... I've find it hard to believe that it wouldn't be more profitable per per kilowatt because the 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 production like just conceptually speaking there aren't any moving parts should be rel it's just a battery with a casing um and the most expensive part of it will be moving the thing around but now all of a sudden you have the tesla semi and you own you vertically integrated the transportation of this product so like what really is the cost here there's not really that much cost um is so much potential here. Shout out redheads, by the way, uh, everybody. <laughs> Redhead is stepchild. I don't mean it. Producer wife's like, excuse me. I don't mean it that way. Next one. <laughs> uh, Akira, she's probably in the private chat. Like I'm gonna kill you. A question: If the Tesla bot can eventually make us money by providing services to others, will wealth be determined based on who or which company owns the most Tesla bots? What a fascinating question. Um. Why wouldn't it, right? Because that seems like the logical conclusion. How are you guys thinking about this? This is a great question. I, I, I also think Tesla almost has a response, a moral responsibility of who it licenses or gives its bots to. Um, because if in this case, like not only wealth can be made through Tesla bots, but power and uh dominance for lack of a better term can, can be made with tesla bots remember what do you think yeah i mean the, for me the question generally is is more like how will the world and the economy look like when we have ai products like running around i was i was now randomly watching some youtube videos how to make money with with chat gpt um so you could basically go to fiverr um yeah Get some uh, get some jobs for for texting or or product descriptions and ChatGPT can do it completely automatically. So it's a perfect way to make money with with an AI. And I think the same question now comes with with such a robot, right? What can it really do? And will there be limitations? Will will there need to be a terms of service that prohibits you from doing certain tasks? Uh, so I think there will be a lot of nuances. Um, how this product will be able to be used and 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 the rules um yeah also society wise what what do we want such a world to actually look like so for me it's more a philosophical question but it's a fantastic question and i do agree that probably that the companies that will have access first uh, to such a technology will of course have a huge advantage yeah i think the chat the chat gpt thing you just proposed is the perfect analogy why would anybody pay somebody on Fiverr to put something in GPT when they can just go to GPT themselves and do it for free? That's that's really how this Tesla bot equation is going to play out. As long as it is doesn't fall in the hands of people who are monopolizing the technology. 
so that the technology has to be democratized or it has to be in a way that is affordable by basically anybody who wants to use it you know like dolly is another example dolly is like um i don't know it's like less than a dollar per uh you're paying a graphic designer less than a dollar to give you eight different options for for an idea it has to be in that way so then so then that type of um cost structure is going to apply to anything physical if the tesla bot is successful think about all the doors that open when you do that as long as as again as long as that technology can be leveraged in the same way chat gpt and dolly are 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 being used which is extremely cheap if not free and anybody is able to use it if that becomes the case everybody everybody has power if only a couple companies have access to that technology we're screwed <laughs> it's over because it's just a flywheel that's going to keep feeding itself and uh, I have all the power, I have all the labor, and everybody's at the whims of what I can produce. I don't think that's the future that we want. And that's one we should avoid in all in all kinds of ways. And that, that's why I'm, I'm for, I feel like Elon and his teams will do the best job to ensure a technology like this can be accessed by everybody, not just a few. Uh, and crossing my fingers that that's the case. So, all right, let's uh, wrap it up here and go to the private Discord. Thank you, Noah. Thank you, Remo. Really appreciate you guys. Um, now we're going to move the next 45 minutes to an hour of discussion to our private Discord. If you want to take part of those discussions, consider becoming a patron or signing up right through YouTube using the join button down here somewhere. Um, any closing thoughts before we go to our private Discord, Noah or Remo? Thanks for letting me uh, talk so much about Cybertruck. It's been a lot of fun to <laughs> dive Hell into yeah, that. Uh, and these conversations have, have been awesome and fun. Yeah, I'm, I'm really excited about 2023. I think it will be a great year for Tesla. A lot of catalysts are coming up. Cybertruck, the semi, and uh, yeah, all of those things that we talked about, the, the incentive, the new incentive. So really great news to just keep executing and... Uh, yeah, I'm sure there will be a lot to talk about uh, Tesla every day uh, next year as well. So, uh, yeah, thank you for for having me uh, today. And uh, it was a fantastic discussion. Absolutely. Um, Remo, make sure you plug, make sure you look him up on YouTube. Uh, he's got a YouTube channel. He does amazing work. Noah, what are we plugging for you? Um, so I have a company called Corporate Stream. So we do live streaming. So if your company does any sort of communication, feel free to check me out on YouTube and reach out. But I'm just happy to be a part of the community. That's what it's more about for me. Thanks, man. I appreciate you. Appreciate both of you so much. Thank you, everybody, in the comments for always uh, having awesome discussion. Uh, love you guys so much, seriously, especially as we end this year. Happy New Year, everybody. My goodness. I'm not going to see you again in the live stream until next year. Wow. What a funny joke. Um, and of course, last but not least, thank you very much, producer wife. Another amazing uh, job. And thank you so much for, uh, yeah, just uh, letting me do this sometimes very weird thing that i can't believe i'm doing and your support i just love you so much thank you all right everybody we'll see you on the private discord thanks everybody take it easy